Welcome to the Expansive CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, founder of Expansive CEO and X Squared Wealth Planning. Buckle in as we explore how to create true prosperity and build a business and a life that expands beyond yourself and makes a dent in the universe. This episode is from my series, Connection Squared, where I got to interview attorney Amanda Moncada Perkins. She's the founder of Stoutagy Law, and we really got to talk about being a high achieving woman in a male dominated field and the importance of negotiating for your own worth. So give it a listen and send any comments or questions you might have um, to us after you listen. Love to hear from you and enjoy. Hello, everybody. I am Hannah Chapman. I am the founder and CEO of X Squared Wealth Planning. I'm a wealth advisor that helps entrepreneurs, visionary entrepreneurs, really stop worrying about their money, take control of their income, and then make a plan so that they can build wealth with joy and with ease. And today I'm so excited because this is the very first conversation. I started, literally started this YouTube channel because I want to have these conversations with other entrepreneurs who, um, kind of serve this, the similar, similar clientele to who I serve, but in a different way and support them from a different angle. And Amanda Mancata Perkins, who is the founder and CEO of Stoutagy Law, does just that. She is a business lawyer, but she is also a negotiation trainer. And I am so excited to let her introduce herself. And then we're going to talk about some of the new stuff that's coming up. So Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about your law firm and your um, your new program? We'll get to that second, but yeah, law firm. firm. <laughs> yes. Um, well, Hannah, thank you so much for having me. I, um, I'm excited to be here and excited to continue our conversation because the conversations have been happening um, and this is just a continuation. So yes, my name is Amanda. I am from Chicago. Um, I am a former corporate attorney working in big law. And so I decided to start my own law firm and I focus on general corporate matters, but I also focus on negotiation training. And this is the very first time anyone has ever called me a negotiation trainer. And I'm actually digging that. Um, I love negotiating. I also love coaching it as well. And so my, my, um, aspect of coming to this issue of wealth building is through helping women lean into their leverage and value to negotiate for better opportunities and increased income. And so I think where our synergy lies is helping women to build that wealth and to manage it, but in different ways, right? We want to close that wealth gap. And my job is to help them increase their income so that you can help them manage it. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yes. So let's, let's talk about that quickly because I, when I got your, I'm on your email list too. So I got your email recently about your private negotiation program. Um, and Yes, I want you to talk about that because exactly what you said um, is the first step really towards helping women have more financial freedom, more agency over their money, and to be able to make decisions from a place of power. And I think starting from the negotiation table 
Like that's, if you can advocate for your own value, that's where it starts. Right. And yeah. So tell me, tell me more about the program. Okay. So I just recently launched the, my official negotiating program. It's a one-to-one coaching program that takes the span of five weeks plus to help women negotiate and use tools, practical tools to negotiate, but also to make it very, very customized to their style of negotiating, because yes, we do have styles and it's not a one size fits all for everybody. It's something that feels genuine and authentic to you. So that's, it's called the private negotiation program. And it's that reason for, it's that way for a reason. Negotiations are very vulnerable for people. It's a, it's an aspect um, of life that we feel a little bit, I will say self-conscious about at times. And, um, and so I want people to know it is private. It is one-to-one. And so you get to really work with me and get some direct coaching on how to go about negotiating, whatever it is that you're trying to do. So it's, if it's a business deal, if it's a career move, what have you, that's what we work on. Um, but I want to go back to something that you mentioned about self-advocacy and le- and understanding your worth. It is, it is so fundamental to know what your value is. So when you go to the table, you know what you're asking for and you know why you're asking for it. And that is the, that's probably the most fundamental topic that we wrestle with, or I grapple with, with my clients and also want to, want to bring through this program is understanding value and how to lean into that, right? And get creative with this idea of what leverage is right because i think we have this misconception that value means you know how much money i have or value just means you know how much prestige is behind my name and it's really you know understanding what your skill sets are understanding your talent understanding the results that you've driven for a particular company or for maybe a client knowing what you have that come that you bring to the table and so i really want women to, to lean into what that value is and then coach them on how to communicate that when they're talking to people. Um, and the reason that's important too is because in order for us to close this wealth gap and in order for us to really address it, we have to start asking for, real, for what we really want and not what we're being told we deserve, but what we know we want, you know? And that's a difference, but, um, but that's really what the focus is through what the coaching is that I provide. So let's go a little deeper here. Can you tell me why that matters to you Mm -hmm. and how, how have you, um, have you learned to advocate for yourself? Do you have like an actual example for yourself? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So self-advocacy has been something that I, I've dealt with and I've struggled through in my early, you know, professional career. And even as a young kid, um, being told, you know, what your place is and what, you know, opportunities are available to you, especially being um, a girl <laughs> and, um, and not really having that value ascribed to me early on made me feel like the imposter syndrome set in very early. But then even becoming a young professional, thinking that if I if I spoke up for myself a bit too much, then I would be deemed a certain way, bossy or maybe ungrateful or you know difficult. Um, 
but realizing that it's okay for me to do that for other people, right? And a lot of the times that's what we're coached to do as women as well. You can advocate for other people, but if you advocate for yourself, you look a little bit too um, ungrateful or greedy or bossy or whatever, insert whatever other adjective that you have there, right? And so it really did something to me. I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't be who I wanted to be or ask for what I wanted to ask for um, without self-sabotage you know? And so, um, I kind of got sick of that because there was something that my grandmother told me as I grew up, which is that you could do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. And I'm like, I don't feel that way because I'm being told otherwise in these workplaces. Right. Um, and I also think this, this is real. One day I had a conversation with a, um, a partner at a law firm and something he said to me really struck a nerve. It made me cry. And it made me second guess myself, but then it also made me realize like, screw you, I'm gonna do it a different way. Um, he told me, you know, I'm, you have many masters here that you need to satisfy. And so whatever you need to do to- Oh, I just lost your sound. Can you hear me? There you are, there you are, back up like, one second. Okay. You all right. Whatever you needed to do. Okay. I'm going to start, I'm going to start again. And so maybe we can just like, you know, edit out, but, um, there was a moment in my legal career where I was working with a partner who, um, t- made a comment to me and it really affected me. It made me cry. Um, but it also made me feel like, screw you. I can't do this anymore, you know? And so, I was trying to work on an assignment, get it done, but I didn't meet the deadline that he he told me I had flexibility to create. And he was like, you know, I was really disappointed in how you got this work done or how, um, how long it took you to get this work done. And he said, you know, you have many masters here to satisfy. And, um, and it didn't matter how long you needed to stay up to get this work done, you should have done that, whatever it took. And, um, and so I left that meeting thinking, I'm never going to have the liberty to just operate with confidence here ever, you know, because one, they don't see me as an equal here. And I'm just like this workhorse, you know, but when I advocate for my clients, I get a pat on the back. But when I advocate for myself, which I tried to do in that meeting, I get torn down. And so I decided I couldn't deal with that level of toxicity anymore. And so when I stepped outside of the law firm and went to do my own thing, I realized in order for me to be successful, I'm going to have to advocate for myself. And then I started working with my clients and realizing that, you know, I want to help them do really good work in their businesses. But when it came time to helping them negotiate contracts or business deals that they were working on, I realized that there were several times that that women would say, like my clients would say, I'm not sure they would go for that or I'm not sure I should ask for that. Or maybe that's too much. Maybe we should back down the ask a little bit. And I would say, no, this is why we shouldn't. This is why we should go for this. This is why we should go for that. And I realized it's because we're constantly being told, this is how you need to operate in order to be successful under somebody else's thumb. And the only way that we're ever gonna be able to be successful is if we take ownership of our own work and not let somebody else dictate that, right? So in part, I feel like there's this bit of um, rebellion that I feel 
um, that I'm acting out against, against everyone that ever told me that I needed to do it a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. That master comment, which I thought was asinine at best and, and, and fully racist at worst, right? right. But and sexist, um, being in the back of my mind thinking you will never dictate my value again to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I want other women to feel that, that power as well. Like you get to dictate your value. You get to ask for what you want. And so I'm just, I feel like I'm hell bent on a mission now for women to be like at the table and to say, you know, I know what I'm worth. You can't tell me anything different, right? So let's negotiate together because you need what I'm offering, right? If you're sitting at the negotiation table at all, it's because they see value in you. Right. And to be able to own that is something that I want to help women do. Mm. You, okay. So it, it blows my mind and yet it's like completely not it. And it's ordinary at the same time, right. That we have <laughs> like almost the same experience, um, mm. in, you know, the firm that I was, I was at before, um, mm there was a, there was a point where I was sat down and told mm, the partners are feeling like you're not very grateful for this opportunity. Yeah. And when I heard that, because I had been advocating for like, Hey, when are we going to put parameters around, you know, how I can, how I can buy my book, how I can like actually grow my business, how I can have some, some agency over right. how, how my own practice looks. Um, and the more I asked and the more I advocated for myself, the more ungrateful they were like, I was not being grateful for the opportunity rather than being valued for the amount of work that I was doing. Right. And that was to me, that was, that was like a conversation at the end of like, I was already feeling like okay, this is, this is probably not going to be a good long-term fit, but that was like, that was one of the straws that broke the camel's back because it was, it was just so obvious that I, yeah, I could be managing, you know, hundred million, millions upon millions of dollars and bringing in hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of dollars into the firm. And I was not deemed worth paying that. Right. And it was, and from my, from my perspective, being in finance, like I know the numbers, like, mm -hmm. I, like this is my job <laughs> to understand the numbers. And here I am telling you, like, this is what I see. It doesn't feel congruent with what's right. happening. And then to be told, well, you know, we're paying all this staff. I'm like, well, okay. Why am I getting like this, this much of a sliver? and paying every, like paying like three or four people's salaries, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. Help me understand. And mm -hmm. instead of helping understand it's, you're not being grateful. Um, yeah. And I didn't know until a little bit later that that is, that is a very specific tool of, mm -hmm. of, you know, keeping, associates anyone in like a lower position of power where they are right you should, you should be grateful for what we're giving you rather than thank you for all of the work that you're doing you know right. all of these pieces like it, it's just always focusing on the we are doing something for you rather than this is a health you know like let's make this a healthy symbiotic relationship right and I I part of that that really resonates with me is you know you are the value, 
right? <laughs> this, right. this firm operates because of the work that I'm bringing and people like me are bringing to the table and are helping you be successful, right? So for every woman that is, you know, working at some place and is helping drive client revenue, adding more work and more money, right? Results and, you know, successes and awards and all of those various things, these are all data points to show that this is the value that you're bringing. And are you grateful for the opportunity? You can be grateful for the opportunity and still be like, you need to pay me my worth. Right. You got to pay me my value, right? Because <laughs> otherwise I, I have options. And I think that's the other thing that we need to lean on too, is when you're ready to negotiate, understanding what your alternatives are and being ready, knowing what, what it will take for you to say, you know what, this doesn't work for me anymore, or this is my, this is my floor. I can't go below this. And so when you're able to have those kinds of conversations, it kind of empowers you to be ready to say, you know, this is what I need. This is what I need. And then also realizing that when you're talking to the people that you're negotiating with, be it an employer or be it a client or whomever, understanding that this is, like you said, a symbiotic relationship. This is in no way one-sided, right? Um, I am, I, you know, sometimes I think we make a mistake as employers of thinking that our employees are just fungible. Oh, you can, I can replace you easily. Good talent is not just challenging to attract, but to keep, right? And because people realize they have options and you have to take that into consideration as well. And I think we're getting wiser just a, as a whole of understanding that we do have alternatives. We do have options. We are the value. And I think we need to encourage each other to know that when we're going into these, these opportunities, right? I carry the value. My dad actually told me that too. Like he was like, you know what, Mankata, my dad calls me Mankata. He's like, you know what I really want you to understand is you are the value. When you walk into that law firm, they need you, not the other way around, right? Because you can go to so many other firms, right? And still get the same, you can get similar opportunities and similar pay, you know? Um, but they can't get another at you, right? They'll never have another Hannah Chapman, okay? Right? And so- <laughs> And that's the reality too. Your specific brand, the essence of who you are when you're bring, when you're coming into these matters, right? The clients love you. Why do they love you? Because of your particular charisma that you're bringing, also, right? Mm -hmm. That you just can't you can't train somebody else to do that. <laughs> you right. know? Yeah, that's um, that's me. That's my special sauce. <laughs> that's my special sauce, right? And that has to be worth something, you know? Um, but to your point about like, well, why am I having to convince you to pay me more? The question then becomes, is that really a, an opportunity that you want to continue to pursue? Is that really a business deal that you want to be a part of where you're being taken for a ride and you don't really feel like it's a symbiotic relationship? These are things that you, you have to sit with and you have to answer right for yourself. And I think being okay with saying no or pushing back has, we, we have to be, be a bit more comfortable with that and do it in a way that feels genuine to ourselves, obviously, but, um, but do it nonetheless, right? So, cause let me tell you another thing. Sometimes when you say no, you may actually end up getting a better offer. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when you're ready to walk out the door, one foot after another, you may actually get a better offer. But then at that point, it's like, really, do I have to threaten to leave before you give me better, right? right, right. I don't want that kind of relationship. And I dare say a lot of people don't either. Yes, yeah, that's the... I, I think um, that is the change that people like you and I are bringing mm -hmm. to our industries is that um, this, you know, this, this sense of um, entitlement or 
I, I want to say a little bit of bullying where, um, yeah, like someone else holds the power and like you are, you are there to either, you know, submit or, you know, do something else or change, change what you, um, you know, need what your value is in order to appease someone else. Mm-hmm. When, when yeah. we are strong enough to say, mm, no, thank you. Like that's, right. you know, I, I, that's not how I work. And I, and I, I can't, like you said, I can't go below this or not even that, like, like this is, this is what it is. And if that's not good for you there, you know, there's a line waiting at the door for me. There's uh, a line waiting at the door for me. And then also understanding, like, what are your goals that you're trying to achieve here? Right. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there are certain things that are non-negotiables for you. And then there are certain things that are just like nice to haves and are not a big deal, right? Like you can make concessions with, I think what makes it a little easier too, when you're going into your negotiations is that when you're approaching this as like a win-win situation, when you're approaching it as, okay, we're, we're really trying to come to a common ground here. We both want to succeed here. How can I be supportive of you? How can you be supportive of me? There are going to be people, I would say the fair amount of your negotiations that you have, people do want to come to a mutual agreement understanding because they want to feel like they're getting something here. You know, there are folks that will approach everything as, as, as though it's zero sum, right? I'll, if, if you win this, then I lose. And And honestly, it's a very challenging situation to be in with someone like that. But to your point about being able to have these conversations, but then how do you do that effectively is to go in and and tell these people that you're working with or you're negotiating with, what are our mutual goals that we're trying to achieve here, right? And let's see how we can get there together. And if you can't pay me the amount that I want today, what are the milestones that we can talk about hitting, right? In the next three months, six months, nine months, right? Because this whole idea that you can't pay me ever is not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work for me, you know? Um, but I think there are ways that we can have these conversations that ma- that feel authentic to us, make our demands known, but we also carry them in a way that's like, this is a mutually beneficial relationship. Because no one wants to be in a work- working relationship where you feel like you're being taken advantage of, you know? Yes. And that's, I think that, that goes to the heart of, you know, this, the great resignation, however you want to say, like what the, the flight to, um, entrepreneurship on one side, but even just, you know, up to opportunity on the, on the other side is that people want to work, right? Every single person that has left a job, they want to work, but they want to feel valued. They want to feel like they are, um, contributing to something better. Mm-hmm. you know, bigger than themselves. Um, I, I know for me, like that, that is a huge part of like the, the clients that I work with is that they have a vision to make the world a better place. Mm. Right. And so part of the reason that they maybe launched their own business in the first place was because they didn't see other people in their space doing what they felt was right for the world. Right. And right, for, the, right. for the clients that they're trying to serve. Um, and doing it in a way that aligns with values, aligns with, um, you know, if they have a family, like being able to be with their family, if they have, you know, not wanting to travel a ton, like all of these things, like being able to have, again, it goes back to agency a lot of the time, like have agency over your time, over what matters to you. Um, And it's just, it's so interesting to me to, to hear people say, no one wants to work. It's, you know, impossible to find good help. And, Mm -hmm. and yet to know, like, 
No, that's not true. We just yeah. need to pay people what they're worth <laughs> and, and, and have, you know, like make sure that you're aligning with their values and giving them the, you know, if they're looking for a trajectory, like maybe they are looking for upward trajectory. They need to right. know what the milestones are, like you said, right. or if they, you know, if, if work-life balance is extremely important, how do you, how do you come to agreement with that person mm-hmm. about how they make that happen? It doesn't necessarily have to be higher pay. It might have to be more flexibility. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so, um, I was just talking to my, um, my mother-in-law actually, and she was mentioning how Walmart now, I have not fact-checked this. So, you know, for anybody watching in there and like, I didn't hear that. <laughs> I did not fact-check this. Okay. So check the facts. <laughs> but she mentioned that Walmart is now paying 80,000 to $100,000, even more for certain um, drivers for deliveries and, you know, uh, wow. truck drivers and whatnot. And I was like, whoa, right? They have increased astronomically the amount of salary for um, drivers. And is it worth it? Um, I dare say so. I dare say that everybody needs to be paid a living wage. Hello. Um, But the reason that they've increased the salary so much, can you guess? It's because there's such a low like number of people that not no one's jumping at this job, right? And so how do you make it more attractive? Hello, pay people. Right. And um, it's it's interesting to me that we get into this place where it's like, well, talent is so few and far in between. So we need to increase the benefits. And it's like, well, why haven't we started the conversation there? Right. And her comment was, well, because they've never had to fill it in their bottom line. (laughs) You know, you can get away with paying nothing because people were a bit more fearful of not having the job prospects or job opportunities. But as you mentioned, like this, people becoming wiser about having opportunities and having alternatives elsewhere, they're developing that self-advocacy just a little bit more. And getting creative with what you're really after and what your goals are, maybe it isn't salary increase so much as it's flexibility, right? Like one of the com- one of the questions that's constantly happening right now is, is, the, is this a remote position? right? Can I work from home? You know, that literally I got a text message today from a friend that's like, Hey, we're looking for legal counsel for our new company, blah, blah, blah. And another question that followed was, is this remote? (laughs) What are the options here? And I laugh at this because I remember right before I decided to leave the big law practice, um, I asked a senior partner whether we could institute a, um, one day a week policy where associates get to work from home we have things we need to do. Like maybe we need to hire a plumber to come out and, you know, take a look at, right. And I need to be home for that. Or maybe I need to take my dog to the vet. Who knows? And I can't do it on a weekend, you know? Um, So anyway, I asked the question and his response was, no, we're not going to institute this. This is 2019, by the way, right? Pre-pandemic, like immediately pre-pandemic, right? It's like, no, we're not instituting that. That That is a privilege reserved for the most senior partners. Like not even just partners, but the most senior the most partners. Senior. <laughs> All right. Only the most, like only if you've worked for like 52 years, can you possibly, you know, get right. a one day a week. And he was, and he said to me, Amanda, you know, I don't know why you're asking for this. It seems like you've instituted your own work from home policy one day a week because I did. I was like, 
I didn't really ask anybody and obviously he was paying attention, but one day a week, I would always be like, Hey, I will be at home today, <laughs> you know? And so he's like, no, we're not doing that. Lo and behold, what? Not even four months later, five months later, we're all working from home. Global right. pandemic hits and now it's the new norm. But why does it take us taking people to, you know, to task over things like this before we start thinking what can make our lives easier in the workplace or what can make this business situation better, right? It shouldn't, it should not be this like competition, this tit for tat. Like I can't, I can't give you too much because then it's going to show what, what is it going to show other than you care about your employees or you care about your business dealings or you care about what the other side needs, right? To make your life a little bit easier. And so that's how I think about self-advocacy. You're not advocating for yourself at the dismay of somebody else. You're advocating for yourself because it's gonna allow you to show up to be your best self, right? Here's the issue what happens when you don't get paid your worth. It affects you, your well-being. It affects your family. It affects your prospects. Really, when you can't afford, when you don't have the money that you need to take care of your family, think about the pressures that that in, imposes on you, right? When you don't have the money to take care of your health or to buy the food that you need, right? Or to just hire the therapist that you need to go see just to unload, right? <laughs> you can't show up to be your best self. And these have ramifications, you know? And, um, and let's be honest, inflation is a real thing. <laughs> we need to not, like not play games about that, right? So um, there are real ramifications when we don't advocate for ourselves that happen, even if we don't see it today, we do feel them, right? Mm -hmm. And those ramifications also add up when it comes to things like wealth planning, right? Being able to have money set aside when retirement hits, right? Or to take care of your family, God forbid something happens to you, right? Yeah. All of these things are super important and it matters now. So I, I hate to be that person that's just like, listen, this is just not just a cutesy topic for you to self-advocate. This is a topic that's going to matter in your finances and in your well-being and for your family too. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that is such a perfect dovetail. Like <laughs> exactly right. I mean, like that, that is it. That is exactly it. Is that uh, women already um, save a higher percentage of their income, right? Like they know, women yeah. know that they need to save, that they need to, you know, prepare for the future. But since we are on average paid a lower wage, we save a higher percentage of our income. So it always, everything always feels heavier, Yeah. right? Like it feels, money feels tighter. And right. so the risk of investing, right? And growing your money for the future feels more scary because there's less, right? There's just less in the bucket from the very beginning. So the sooner we can get women on that, like, equal pay path, right. And negotiating for their value. And if they're, you know, an entrepreneur that is negotiating contracts, like I have several clients who are consultants who do negotiate contracts for themselves. Uh, and when they come back to me with like a hundred thousand dollar contract, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. Congratulations. Yes. You know, I mean, for like 40 hours of work, not like, like, it's amazing. Some of the, some of the, you know, things that I've been seeing recently, um, mm -hmm. with women being able to advocate for themselves, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like it doesn't just, it doesn't just grow itself. Right. So then we have to, from there, once you're, 
being paid what you're worth, we have to have a plan in place to take care of all of that, right? right? To take care of, you know, your taxes are probably going to be higher. And, you know, now you have some different ramifications for what you can do with retirement. You can be real creative, but you do have some different things that we have to take care of, right? um, right. depending on, you know, what tax bracket you're in. Um, And we have to then figure out even deeper, like, what is it that you really want? Mm. What do you want to create in the world? What do you want to see happen for yourself and for your family um, and for your community and for the world? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like the money itself opens up options that we're right. for. Yes. And you know, part of what you're getting at is this idea that money is just a resource. It's a tool, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. if we can look at it that way, it helps. This is why it's not, it's not greedy to ask for money because you do have goals that you want to achieve and they mm-hmm. take funding. Right? And so, and, and half of the time, here's another thing. Women actually pour into their communities a lot more. They donate to charities a lot more. And so we use this money to actually improve our environments. So part of the, I'm just thinking about what do I want to do as you're talking about this, like, what do I want to do with the money that I'm getting? Right. Like I, I legitimately have a goal and I am, I am claiming this. I want to be able to write a quarterly check for $20,000 to my charity to end hunger. Right. I, I, this is very, this is very um, personal for me because as I grew up when I was very young, um, having access to good food was not the norm at all. And so we, we ate what we could, you know, and I, it, it pains me to see that we live in such a wealthy country and we still have children going hungry, Mm -hmm. right? I want to be able to write a 20,000 plus dollar check every three months so that I can make sure children are going with not going without food. Right. That's what I want to be. That's why if you're asking me, why are your prices so high? Uh, because I have a goal in mind. Okay. Right. I also want to start a scholarship where I can pay full ride for the legal education of the next, you know, U S Supreme court justice. Right. I want to be able to fund a woman's legal education full ride. I'm already in talks right now with, um, my alma mater to discuss what I need to do now. Do I have the money to fund full ride? Heck no. I don't know if I can say hell any product. I don't, <laughs> heck no, right? I don't have it yet, right? But I'm planning right now. So why if you're asking me why my prices are what they're what they are is because I have a goal to do my parts in child hunger. I have a goal to do my part to fund the legal education of a woman. I have my goal to make sure my children are set and I can establish a new legacy, a wealthy legacy for my family. Hell, I want to build a whole compound so my family can live with me. Okay. Like I want to, I have goals in mind and, and a lot of them are tied to wanting to make life better for people, including my family. Is that selfish? No, not to me. It's not selfish. And you know what? I also want to be able to eat what I want, go on a vacation when I want, right? And enjoy my life. Those things are not selfish because when I'm in a good place, I can create for other people too. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are a lot of women that feel that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that is, I, that's like almost a mic drop moment right there. (laughs) That's it. I mean, that's truly it. Like your vision is so beautiful and it's so unique to you, right? It hits on 
your experiences. It hits on what, you know, I want to call it. Okay. So I haven't talked about this one a whole lot, but this is, this is my, this is my, like we pour into, we receive into our own vessels, but as a vessel, we have, we all have our own wounds and we have a crack. Right. Um, and, and that's where more, when we pour back out into the world, more of it goes through that wound. Mm-hmm. right? That we want it, that we're healing in ourselves by helping heal others. Right. In that way. You know, you're, you're reminding me of, um, what I was told recently by, I, it was a business coach. Um, I'm like, all the names are failing me right now, but it's still the words that matter, right? It's, <laughs> right. Yes. we coach from the place where we're growing the most, mm-hmm. right? Where we've hurt the most. Mm-hmm. And, you asked me earlier, why is self-advocacy so important for you, <clears throat> for me, you being me? <laughs> it's because I have felt that I didn't have anybody to advocate for me, you know? And because of that, the things that I've sustained, the experiences I've sustained because I felt alone and without guidance have informed how I want to show up for myself now. It's like, I will fight to the death of me for myself because I know no one else in this world will fight as hard as I can for me. And that is true of every other person out there. There's nobody that's going to advocate harder for you than you. Yeah. And is that, it, it's just the reality. It is just what it is. And so you have to have grace with yourself and give yourself the space to say, I deserve better. I deserve more. I deserve to have what I want. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be wealthy. I deserve to pour into my community. I deserve to surround myself with good things. And I don't have to be limited. I don't have to be grateful with just a little. I can go for all that I want, right? And that is okay. And hell, as long as I'm breathing and I'm on this earth, that's exactly what I want to do. And I want to help other people do. Mm. Love, love. Absolutely love that. So, okay. So we're going to put stuff in the, in the notes below, um, (laughs) about like how we do that, but tell, tell us like right now, how do we go and find you and find your program and work with you? Yes. Okay. So where you can find me are two places, LinkedIn and my website. Um, LinkedIn will also link to my website. So you can find me at Amanda R. Mancata on LinkedIn. Um, and then my website is Stoutegy Law. That's S-T-O-U-T-E-G-Y law.com. And you can find more about the legal services we offer and the negotiating program that I um, offer as well. And so I'm super stoked. We're already getting, like, this is a brand new program. We just, we just released this like, like a week, like a week ago. ago. <laughs> yes. And people are already calling and signing up. So I'm really thrilled because I, you know, people are in this space right now. They're like, not only do I want better, I want better now. Like there's a, a sense of urgency out here. So I'm super excited about it. I'm so excited for you. And then thank you for sharing your heart um, and for sharing all of your knowledge. And yes, I, I will we'll put everything that people need to know to be able to contact you. Yeah. yeah. Listen, Hannah, there are a few moments here that I was like fighting back tears. I'm like, I am <laughs> just thinking about that because it's a very vulnerable 
topic, you know, what makes you do what you're doing and, um, and not being afraid to go out there and do it like fear set aside, just operating. Like we were talking about operating in that obedience, right. Is being tied to somebody else's freedom, which is amazing. So I know you're wrapping up, but I just have to say that. Thank you for asking the probing questions because they really get to the heartbeat of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I know why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. I have loved this conversation so much. Same here. I appreciate you so much. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to like and subscribe. And again, if anything resonated with you from this episode, I would love to hear from you. Email me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at expansiveceo.com. And tell me about it. And if you're ready for your greatest expansion, you can find ways to work with me at expansiveceo.com and at xsquaredwealthplanning.com. That's X, the numeral two, wealthplanning.com. So until next time, remember that there is enough, you are enough, and your birthright in this lifetime is to be expansive.